the one thing I always used to be like so afraid to like ask questions and like not know the answer and be with people who were a lot better than me. And then once I started college works, I was like, wait, it's the best situation is when you're like the dumbest person in the room and you can learn from every single person there. And that was like the number one thing I think that really changed my mindset with like finding out things and, and learning from people and building better relationships. It's like, it's okay to ask questions and learn from people. Like you don't want to be the smartest or the best person in the room. You want to be one of the worst at what you're doing in the room. Cause then you're going to be able to learn from everyone, everyone around you. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you so much for getting on the show. And thank you for recommending our show to your other friends that are looking to figure out their career. We've got Katie Kenny on here today who figured out her career in the last year. She's going into a real estate brokerage at Berkshire Hathaway. And she's going to walk us through the diligent process she went through over the past couple of years to figure out what she wanted to do for a living for, I don't know, maybe the rest of her life. Maybe just a couple of years, but she went through a diligent process that included listening to this podcast. She's going to talk about how she found her passion, found her friends, and found her career by being herself. And she's going to get into her definition of excellence, which includes being present and grateful. We've got a great show if you want a system to figure it out. we got Katie Kenny, who can be found at LinkedIn, Katie Kenny. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Katie, Kenny, thank you so much for making time from your new career to share your experience on the Edge of Excellence. Thank you for having me, Matt. It is an honor to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, great. Well, we're going to get started the way you know we always get started. What is your definition of excellence? So my definition of excellence is consistency in striving to reach your goals while always being present and grateful in every moment. So consistency and striving to reach your goals while always being grateful and what in every moment? In present, in every moment. Okay, what does present mean? Being in the moment versus being on your phone, looking at your email, looking at what's what's tomorrow, what's next week, what are other people doing? Like living in the moment that's happening in front of you and not being somewhere else at the same time. Okay, so why do you need to be grateful and present to be excellent? I have found that you could be the best in your field or in your sport or whatever you're doing, but if you're not thankful and grateful for the opportunities that are given to you and that the things that are going on around you, then it really doesn't matter how good you are, the opportunities that you're having, because if you're not appreciative of it, it's because because of other people's perception, it, like their 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 view of your excellence fades away, or just your 
experience with it? I think that it all comes from within. I don't really think it matters what is going on with the other people. I think it's your perception of excellence. You're never going to be excellent if you're always like, oh, I want to be in this place or I want to be better. If you're not grateful for what you have, like then getting the next thing, you're not going to be that grateful for either. Right. So I was reading this magazine called the Red Bull Bulletin, which I recommend. It's put out by Red Bull. And there was a, the latest, I don't know if it was the latest one, but the one I had in my bag when I lost my phone in the bottom of the ocean at St. Thomas Island on Monday. So I did a lot of magazine reading for the last few days. Uh, and it had this article about this female high jumper. And she was doing this photo shoot on a trampoline. She's like, I'm not going to do the photo shoot on the trampoline. I could get hurt. I'm not going to screw myself up. Because, you know, you're jumping on a trampoline looking for this great photo and you land wrong and you throw your back out of line. You can't, you know, do the best high jump in the world at the world championships in July. So this magazine came out before July. And I was thinking about the presence there, just the focus of everything she does. She's got to you know, make sure the photo shoot doesn't hurt her. Make sure walking down the street, her brother broke his leg doing something and he couldn't compete in the high high jump. So he just had to be present in every moment to be at the top of her game. The gratefulness, I might argue with you, because I see some people that are really good at things, but I'm not friends with them because I don't do narcissism, but they're not appreciative of, of, of other people. But I might look at them excellent. Do they does everybody look at them excellent as excellent? I don't know. Do they internally think themselves as excellent? I don't know. The grateful one I'm going to be uh, thinking about, but constantly striving to reach your goals. Grateful, which I know you always are present every moment, which I know you always are. And I'm reminded I'm not talking trash about my wonderful goddaughter, but we were on an iceberg walking on an iceberg. I've done a lot of things. I've never walked on an iceberg before. And she's checking her damn phone, wandering around, checking her phone. I thought, oh, my God, you're going to fall in a hole and die on this iceberg. And I was thinking, you're doing something so awesome and you're missing it because you're not present in the moment. So if you're in your car right now and you're paying attention to this podcast, good. Looking at your phone, bad. Taking notes, bad. But I think that presence in the moment is difficult sometimes for the Gen Zs. But I'll stop ranting and we'll get into your life, Katie. So we're going to get into your new career. Berkshire Hathaway as a real estate broker. We're going to get into how did you figure out that was the right career for you. And it's the process of you figuring it out that I think will help people on the show. But before we get to that, what was life like in high school? What were you doing to get ahead? Did you know you're on the edge of excellence back then? I had no idea I was on the edge of excellence. I would still argue right now that I haven't really hit that point. But that's my personal preference on that. In high school, I was swimming my entire life. I was actually a synchronized swimmer for nine years. I started at like seven, eight years old. And I stopped my sophomore year of high school. I had a little bit of an identity crisis almost because I lived and breathed synchronized swimming for as long as I could remember. I was having my parents drop me off at the pool or the gym on days that I could like that we didn't have practice. And I was making my own workouts. I was always very determined and goal oriented. I was super competitive. I worked as a lifeguard at a wave pool. That was like my first job before doing college works, actually. And I was super competitive with that, too. I had the most rescues out of all the lifeguards. I was so proud of that. In high school, yeah, I was just kind of trying to fit in. I guess I had a lower self-esteem at that point because I just wanted people to like me. And like I wanted to fit in with like whatever group I was hanging out with. And then finally, I think... Senior year, late in high school, I started to realize, oh, wait, like 
if I'm being myself and having fun and laughing, people around me liked me just as much. And I was with the people that I was meant to be with. So high school was was definitely where I started to figure out myself and my personality because I think I I was a little bit insecure beginning of high school going into like later on. I like that. Uh, if you act yourself, people will still like you. And it's the people that you're meant to be with You're And you're a super likable person. But I think that's a, you know, there, there's fade out there. Right. And if you're um, trying to make people happy and I love that you recognize low self-esteem and there's people that probably got an aha moment right there because high school is such a weird time. Like everybody feels like a loser. Nobody thinks they're popular. Nobody thinks they have any friends. And um, it just generates this low self-esteem and you're searching, searching, searching. And you realize fate will take over. If I just act myself, I'll draw on the right crew. I love that. So uh, you're determined, you're goal oriented, you're competitive, you're saving the most lives at the wave pool. I love that. And then uh, anything else that stands out before you headed off? I mean, you must have had great grades if you headed off to Champaign at the University of Illinois. But anything else that stood out in high school? I did have pretty good grades. I felt like I didn't need to try in school, which is something that I always was super grateful for because I didn't necessarily enjoy school, even though I went to college and then thought I wanted to go to med school. High school was just kind of swimming was my life. And I joined swim team after I was done with synchronized swimming and made that my life super competitive there. Made a lot of good friends that I'm still friends with. Now I have like my three, four closest friends from high school that I still see all the time. Okay. So determined, goal-oriented, competitive, coming out of your shell and realizing who you are and how to find your crew. And then you had to Champaign, Illinois to go to college and you were studying advertising from the beginning or did you go pre-med? No, I was a biology major, pre-med, thought that I was going to be a pediatrician or a psychiatrist. I was like, so sat on that in high school till I got to college. And then I started the whole sorority thing. And I loved going out and partying. And it was tough having a 9.30 a.m. microbiology class every morning, every Tuesday and Thursday, because I would not go most of the time. So that's kind of when I started to realize like I didn't really enjoy the medical classes. I think I was more just interested in going to med school because I was like, oh, a doctor would make a ton of money. I didn't know much more about it because they didn't really tell us that much in high school, which I wish I did my own kind of research and went in with no major, honestly, in college because I could have had, I think, a lot less stress freshman year. But I think I did learn a lot in some of those medical classes, which is cool. Okay, I got to throw one of my yellow flags out here because it sounds like that was a loser move. And I know (laughs) you pretty well. So it sounds like you just couldn't cut the mustard and you just wanted to party. But I know that that you're super diligent and you're super hardworking. And that's not what happened. So you came in not really knowing who you were, what you wanted to do. And I would probably explain it as you found your passion, just the same way you found your tribe. You started acting yourself and the right people came into your friendship circle. You started acting yourself, not in the party scene, but in the class scene. And you realized that medicine, just like me for law, was a path towards financial gain, which never works. You can't get financial gain by just chasing the big salary. You get financial gain by chasing your passion. So is it right in me rephrasing what you're saying here? Because I know your mom's going to listen to this. Mom, your daughter's not a slacker. 
you came out of bio and pre-med, not because of 930 classes, because it wasn't the right fit, right? Yeah, I mean, well, so to kind of give a little more detail, I went from a bio major on the pre-med track, and then I switched to a psychology major, and then I switched to pre-nursing. And then finally, I switched to advertising. So I did a little bit of shopping around freshman year and beginning of sophomore year to see what I liked. Because honestly, I just didn't know what I liked. And I look back in at it now and I realized like, okay, I think I wanted to help people. And I thought the only way that I was going to be able to help people in my career was if I was in the medical field, which obviously is not true whatsoever. I think that... I was doing the things that I thought I was supposed to do. And then when I finally switched to advertising, I was like, wait, I like this and I love business and I want to learn more about it. Okay. So for those people that are listening to this that are still in college and they're navigating the major thing, there's some hints right there that you can give them. You try it out. Uh, you're looking for what's your root desire. You know, Why did I want to be a lawyer? Because I wanted to make money. Okay. That's not going to work because I had the gift of gab. Okay, what other professions can you use you know, your, your communication skills for? So you had a root desire to help people. And so you're trying out nursing, pre-med, you know, these different majors. You got a root desire to help people. What was the process to figure out the right major to get to advertising from that? Um, besides just trying out things that weren't fitting right, how did you know they weren't fitting right? How did you know what to try next? How did you figure out that help people was the desire? So. I think that I was better at figuring out, okay, I don't want to do this. And this is why I don't want to do it. That was when I would have that aha moment. Like, okay, I shouldn't be here right now. Um, I think I knew I didn't want to do like biology or nursing or psychology major. Like all of those were just the medical field. When I was deciding like, okay, I'd rather go out and party super late than than actually study and do good in these classes. Because once I switched to advertising, when I was there, I was like, I loved learning and I didn't even have to study because when I was in class, I was actually understanding and like absorbing the material. And it wasn't something that I had to like push myself to want to go to class. I wanted to go to class and I went to my classes once I was in advertising. Okay. So first it's what do you don't want to do? And then why? What are you not liking about it? But then there's what's luring you out and luring your true work ethic out. So you were fighting yourself to go to the bio classes, but you were being lured in to the advertising classes. Exactly. And I think also the professors were another good sign for me. Because I'm not encouraging people, if you don't like your major, like don't go out and party instead of going to class. That's not a good idea. But I really vibed with the professors in the advertising program. Like I still talk to today my favorite professors and I learned so much from them. I would either ask questions in class or talk to them after class. And in bio, I felt like I was, I honestly felt like too dumb to ask questions. I felt like, I couldn't go up to them after class because I would seem like I didn't know the material or that I wasn't smart enough to be there. And they're definitely called weed out classes for a reason. I was, I was weeded out of those medical classes, but yeah, I was really just the whole being there. I can't remember what your question was, but well, so, so you're, I got a new question. How did you know to trust your gut? How did you, I mean, how did, how did you become aware that, 
I don't want to do this deep down inside. That's why I'm going out um, partying till 1130 at night. Cause I know Katie, she's not out till four in the morning, 1130 at night. I must not want to do this for the rest of my life. How did you learn to, to trust that gut or that the gut was even talking to you? So I've had a tendency in my life. I, I know now that I learned from my mistakes more than I learned from other people's mistakes, which I'm really trying to work on now that I'm aware of that. But I think I did not do well in a lot of my classes first year of college. Um, sorry, mom and dad, I, I did fail class. They don't know about that. Um, but um, I think it was, yeah, just like I felt like I didn't belong in those medical classes. And that was like the biggest thing was like, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't even ask a question if I didn't understand. So once I got to advertising, I was like, Oh my God, this is like a breath of fresh air because I can talk and I get along with the people that I'm sitting next to. So just the same way you found your found your friends in high school, you started to be yourself. So you're, uh, you're feeling uncomfortable. You don't feel uncomfortable in certain areas. You're feeling uncomfortable. So is the process kind of have an uncomfortable feeling question why you have the uncomfortable feeling form a hypothesis kind of follow that hypothesis and decide this is uncomfortable or that was just a wacky feeling yeah i'm trying to like pin down a, a process i guess because i joined a sorority freshman year and i was like this is great like these are my friends and stuff and then i look back now i'm like okay it's, it was just a lot of money to make make friends um for <laughs> those first couple years of college but a lot of people in my sorority were also like on the pre-med track and in those bio kind of majors. And they all were kind of switching out of it too, because they were realizing it was some of my close friends too. They were like, this is like, not for me. I, they, we all weren't doing good in the classes. And so it wasn't like helpful when we would study together because nobody knew what was going on. So yeah, it was kind of that gut feeling like this isn't for me. I'm, not going to want to go to college for eight years plus. I think that was really the biggest thing that was like, okay, I need to figure out something else because I don't want to spend thousands, like that, like hundreds of thousands of dollars on school if I don't want to be there and well, like that. So you, you have a little bit of a process here. You try things out. Um, you figure out what you don't want and why, which is a little bit easier than what you do want sometimes. You start narrowing it down. You start asking yourself, what is luring you out to work harder? And you start to kind of feel these gut, uh, these gut feelings. And you question those gut feelings to see if it's a fluke or the path you should go down. And you talk it out. But you got to be careful. You're talking it out to the right people. You're talking out to your heroin addicted buddy. That's not the right. And by the way, Katie has no heroin addicted buddy. <laughs> That's not the right person to talk it out to. You talk it out to the people that give you good advice, the people that lift you up, the people that support you, your parents probably. And over time, you make a decision. Now, what if Katie was supposed to be the next great doctor who figures out the cure to cancer? Well, that ship has sailed. So the last thing is you let go and you do the best at what you're doing, right? Yes, I think exactly. My parents are extremely supportive in whatever I choose to do. I noticed this also when I started CollegeWorks, they didn't have an opinion because they wanted me to make my own decision on what I was going to do. So when I wanted to switch my major, they were like, you do you, do you, like you do what you think you should do. And we're here to support you. We're paying for, I'm so grateful that they were able to give me four years of college education. 
um, because I know not a lot of people get that. But they were like, you get your four years and after that you're paying for it, but you do what you want to do and we're going to support you no matter what. All right. So you're you're there in Champagne, you're partying it up with the sorority sisters, <laughs> ditching out on class, figuring out, okay, this isn't gonna work. Um, you change your major a couple times, and uh then you started to do internships. Did you do an internship? I know you worked at the pool and you rescued more people. Had you done an internship before you did the college works internship? I did not. My jobs consisted of lifeguarding. I worked as a marketing assistant for a company called the Black Sheep. It's like a they do like promotions on college campuses. I was more just doing what I could to make extra money, but I never had a real internship till college works, which I think is so funny because it was just serendipity that someone ended up talking to my class and then I had literally no idea what I was doing until training. So, so what, what year were you? <laughs> I was a sophomore when I did the internship. And so why did you decide to try that out? You're going to go at this point in time, based on your timeline, you might've been in the psychology major. What major were you? I was, so I was still considered a psych major, but I started my advertising class first semester of sophomore year to see if I liked it. And that was where someone ended up talking Uh, about college works. Why, why did you decide to do a call and college works for those that are listening pays for the show. So we've got to talk about college works, college works, where you get to run a business from start to finish. You're running a weird painting business, which sounds crazy. Why did you decide to try that out as you're shifting from psych major to, to, to trusting your gut? Um, well, the first, first reason I like kept coming back for more after that first initial sit down was the money. Honestly, I saw that that page in the the packet and I was like, I could work really hard and make a lot of money. That seems like something that is up my alley. And I didn't really process like that. Okay, this is a painting business. I'm going to be running the business until I got to training, which is why I think it's really funny. But I am so thankful that CollegeWorks has been a part of my life for the past three years because I think it was really the thing that helped me figure out everything. Um, but yeah, it was the money, honestly, and the competitiveness at first that had me like intrigued. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disc assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. Okay, so you've been competitive all your life. So we go back to your gut, right? And, you know, back to your definition of excellence, consistency and striving to reach goals. So you're searching for your path. 
forming these little processes. And anybody listening right now is probably searching for their path and they can look back and see which processes work for them, trying things out. What do I don't want to do? Why do I not want to do that? What lures the work ethic out of me? Talking it out to people that are supporting you, trying to figure out your root desire in your career. So you're you're consistently trying and you find something that's luring you to work because of, of financial gains and luring you to work because you think you can based on your past history. And you know, college works people have had to work in the past. So we know that they can work because it's a difficult job. So you go to training, you realize it's a painting company. You're in the construction industry. And how did doing that internship help you identify um, your career goals and help set you on your path? I think it is one of the best things that I've ever done for myself. I, I would argue that CollegeWorks has been the best thing that I ever did because I absolutely loved every time I got to sit down with a customer. And even as a DM, I lived for just the client sit down and asking them questions and learning about people who are older than me and just what they do. And basically just building relationships, I think is so fun. And talking to so many people, especially my first year, once COVID hit, it was like so challenging, but also it made it that much more satisfying when I started doing really well. Um, I just asked so many questions. Every time I went and sat down with someone, my goal was to learn as much as I possibly could about their career and their life. And I really took advantage of that anytime someone be, would be willing to like open up and talk to me. And so was your gut telling you, this is what I should be doing for a living then? Like I remember doing the college works program and my gut told me I will never do marketing because I hated that. I was really horrible at sales and my gut was telling me, don't do this, don't do this, but I stuck it out. So I think part of it is persevering to figure out if it's a false, false flag. Can I say that false alarm or just a temporary speed bump? So your gut is telling you, I love this. And were you forming kind of career plans in your head at the time? I don't think I started forming career plans until I really got to my senior year, which is what I think is kind of interesting. I was just trying to learn as much as I could sophomore and junior year because I had no idea. I was my big thing was like, okay, I want to be the in the C suite of a marketing firm or something. I want to be the CEO or I want to be the, the head of something. And the more I like, Build these relationships with clients and I talk to more people, I realize like, okay, I also want to have freedom and I don't really want to have to work on someone else's schedule. Cause that was another thing that was so great about college works is like, I wanted to work super hard because I wanted to be the best. That was always the way that I had my mindset during college works was like, especially as an intern, I was like, I will work for 12 hours a day. I do not care. I will work in the freezing cold. I want to be better than everybody else. And that kept me like going. And from that point, I knew I was like, okay, I got to do something in my career that is going to keep me motivated in that sense. So then after probably like during second semester of college or senior year of college, I started to realize like, okay, probably sales or something where it's like self motivating and you have to decide how hard you work. That's like what I need to be in to keep getting better. Cause I was interviewing at a couple different companies end of senior year. And, um, during the summer, this past summer, and I was talking to them and it was all like nine to five, like 
some of them you wouldn't get commissions, some of them was just salary. And I was like, I just kept coming back to like, okay, I don't really want to do this. I talked to like 10 or 15 people. A lot of them I actually heard their pod their episode of the podcast. And I would reach out to them on LinkedIn and like set up a phone call. And those conversations were so awesome. I would I was so grateful that people were willing to like talk to me and answer my LinkedIn message. But the one thing I kept coming back to was like, okay, after those conversations, I kept realizing like, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to work for someone else and make someone else money for my entire life. I want to work for me, make my own schedule, be able to travel, be able to make as much money as I can my first year being there, not be on this like set scale. And so then I started talking to a couple of different real estate agents that my dad knows. And I sat down with them and started asking them questions. And that was when it really clicked. I was like, this is what I am meant to do. Like, this is what I want to do. This is everything that I like combined. Everything that I don't like isn't really a part of it. And so that's why it was so exciting. And I knew that I was doing the right thing once I started taking the classes because I got that feeling of excitement that I got when I was at training for College Works as an intern. That feeling I got also just like getting my mind wrapped around real estate. And so I knew I was doing the right thing. Were you wearing an olive green suit at training? No, I was wearing a white shirt. I was wearing white. Um, I usually I March. I went to the uh, second training. I usually remember where people sit. Like, it's just so weird. Like, I remember Grace was wearing the olive green suit. I remember where she was sitting. I remember Josh Cruz, where he was sitting. I remember his Indiana mask. Anyway, back to the point. So that sounds like a lot of work. And you want to know why? Oh, I know why. Because it is. You're trying to figure out your life. And I always say on the show, you don't have to figure out your whole life. Katie may try this real estate thing and decide, you know, it's not exactly what I thought. I doubt it. But oftentimes people are trying things for a year or two. My brother says at least commit a year. Um, but if you want to get off on the right foot, if you want to get as close as possible to what you should be doing to your calling, listen to what Katie did. She listened to this podcast religiously. I didn't even know you were doing this. She reached out and talked to people on episodes that she thought was interesting about what their path to college was. She tried a few different jobs and sat pensively and thought about what she liked and didn't like about those jobs. She tried a few different majors and talked to her supportive friends about what worked and what didn't work in those majors. She stopped and thought. And I think that's probably the most important. You got to stop and register. What, what are you seeing as you go through this, these different experiences that you're having? Stop and think, stop and journal, stop and, and maybe even read deeper. And there's different forms of reading nowadays, picking up the phone or picking up LinkedIn and reaching out to somebody. That, that's a different form of research than just reading an article. There's a process that Katie went to, went through to end up at Berkshire Hathaway as a real estate broker. Um, it didn't just come to her. It takes work to find the right path. Well, that's cool. And, and, and did you and I ever do a disc, disc thing together? Yes, we did. Um, my junior year of college, I saved all the results. Like I, that was probably in the early stages of me trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I remember I took everything you said so seriously. You've talked about it on the podcast before, like, okay, spending like a couple hours a month 
researching careers and this if you're because I'm like behind the DI. So I wasn't looking for those things that wouldn't match my disc score. Yeah. And that, and that, that right there. And, and I think disc is, it's one of the first 15 episodes. You can go look back and listen to the disc episode. It's also in the bundle. You can come request the bundle on the website. That's in the mid reel. I'll send you the write up on it. But that right there says you don't want to do medicine when you're a DI. <laughs> And that right there says these classes are going to be really difficult for you. So there's a scientific element to this, too. So you're trusting your gut, but you're training your gut what to look for by doing the disc test and what I call wormholing. Katie did some research into careers. Katie and I would talk on the phone, on the Zoom or on the phone. One of the two, I don't know, once every month to six weeks about career stuff. Right over the last year, we probably had five career conversations for an hour each, unless I'm thinking wrong. Is that true? No, we did. I can remember some of the conversations you were going off on. Um, what were you talking about? Your rental, your rental property. You were like, oh, oh, don't because, do it. It's yeah. a waste of money. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. We can't go too deep of that on the off chance that uh, one of my business partners listens to this podcast uh, and realizes that I hate those VRBOs. And I think we could have <laughs> made more money doing something else. But yeah, so we had random conversations because Katie worked at finding the perfect career. So you go through high school, kind of figuring it out, trying to figure out your process. You go through college and you're still kind of figuring out your process. You get out of college and you're figuring out your process. But if you're thinking and pausing and communicating and registering and not just cruise control through life, you're going to find a better end result. So now you're you're starting to work at Berkshire Hathaway as a real estate broker. Um, broker, what's the difference between a real estate broker and real estate sales? A license? So basically in Illinois, every state is a little bit different. In Illinois, you can't get like you can't get a license for just like being a real estate salesperson. You have to get a broker's, broker's license. license. You can do more with the broker's license, basically is Kind of the simple explanation. You can set up a brokerage. You need someone at, and I think almost every state, someone needs to have a brokerage license to be able to set up a shop. So I guess in Illinois, everybody in the shop has a brokerage license, but you have a little bit more uh, fiduciary understanding, a little bit more training. You've gone through some testing and some verification process. You're not just walking off the street and selling homes. You're walking off the street and doing a, a little bit more work, which is kind of theme of Katie's life to make sure you're doing it right, I guess you would say. Yeah. So you get your broker's license. And then after having that for two years, then you can qualify to get your managing broker's license. And then you're qualified to have people underneath you and you can have, you can open up your own brokerage at that point. And what interested you about residential real estate brokerage? So residential is kind of what I'm starting and I am super interested. You actually kind of got me interested in commercial too, but um, I love the idea of basically working with homeowners and kind of being their consultant and asking them, okay, what do you want? finding out all of the different things that they want in the house that they don't want, where they want to be and giving them options and finding a solution for them and just making a customer happy. And then with like selling real estate, it's really just like, okay, we want to get this customer the most money 
that we can and get them a great deal. Um, and it's really just the kind of finding a solution for a client and making them happy and giving them what they want. I, I love that. And I think it kind of goes back to, I realized that I loved it with like estimates for college works is like, I love sitting down with people and finding the things that they want and just making them happy and closing deals. I don't really think it's about closing deals. Honestly, for me, I was given this book actually by my um, managing broker called Ninja Selling. And it talks about this process of basically stop selling, start solving, and you're just solving problems and building relationships. And I think that that's what the core of real estate is. Like The best agents, that's what their mindset is. They're not looking just to chase the next transaction. They're looking to actually make a relationship with each client that they're working with and have a forever client after that. Not just, okay, on to the next one, never talk to that person again. It's about building those relationships and having those people look at you as like their their real estate agent for anything that they're going to do. So um, if we go back to your life here, uh, and and I don't know which audience members are at what stage of their life, but you, you're going through high school and you're kind of figuring out, oh, I'm competitive. Uh, when I act myself, I draw on the right crowd. Uh, I'm determined. I'm goal oriented. You move into college thinking, OK, I'm going to go help people in the medical career. Oh, maybe not that the psych- psychology career. Oh, maybe not that. I'm going to go do this weird painting company. Oh, maybe not that. Um, and then you do you, you do a deep dive. Because you've gone through the process of, you know, we'll just call it two years of high school where you really were aware of what was going on. Because first two years is kind of shocking. And then another four years of college, you're on this journey of kind of trying to figure out what's, like you said, drawing out your work ethic. And you you put it together. You knew you needed to help people. You learn the process of sales is listening and understanding. And you kind of like that. You don't want to be a salesperson. You want to be a problem solver like your new managing broker has suggested. You find your happiness when they find their happiness. Um, So you're kind of finding the root of what makes you tick. And at the same time, wrapping it all in. And I think, you know, for the listener right now that's driving in their car, listening on 1.5 speed, how does it relate to them? Well, if you go through the and you've listened to all the episodes, everybody's process is pretty similar. They're trying things out. They're they're pensive. They're they're developing their gut. They're trusting their gut. They're adding some science in there through the disc test or whatever. And somebody else wants to do strength finder. Fine. They're adding in their their support team. And we've talked about if you don't have a support team, go find a support team. Katie had a support team. Not everybody. There's 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 two thousand employees in, in the businesses that I am one of the owners of. Only four of them call me and have meetings all the time. I mean, you know, you're using your resources to figure out where to go. And then now you're off and running. And if people want to find you because maybe they want someone that works this hard, maybe they want someone that acts herself. Maybe they want someone that's out to help people and understands that that's why she's been put on this earth to help them find their first home or their dream home. If they, if they want to look you up and find you, they go to LinkedIn. Is your LinkedIn Katie-Kenny-BB8699148 or am I reading it wrong? Um, it's whatever the link is that I, that I sent you. Is there like an easier way to, 
to get the link. I yeah, that is crazy. We will be posting the link in our show notes. So when you go okay. onto the site, you'll get the uh, link for Katie Kenny in the show notes. You can find her at Instagram at katie.r.kenny. You can find her at LinkedIn at katie-kenny. And I think it's BB8B99148. I don't know. Go to the link but it's the Katie Kenny from University of Illinois. So if they're looking for a new inspiring broker, that's where to go. I do have one last question for you. Oh, Wait, two- before you ask that, I want to I want to make a comment on what you said a couple sentences ago with like kind of discovering what you want to do. So the one thing I always used to be like so afraid to like ask questions and like not know the answer and be with people who were a lot better than me. And then once I started college works, I was like, wait, it's the best situation is when you're like the dumbest person in the room and you can learn from every single person there. And that was like the number one thing I think that really changed my mindset with like finding out things and, and learning from people and building better relationships. It's like, it's okay to ask questions and learn from people. Like you don't want to be the smartest or the best person in the room. You want to be one of the, worst at what you're doing in the room because then you're going to be able to learn from everyone everyone around you god i i i probably phrase it differently and i i I will take some of the phrasing out of there not the dumbest maybe i like to be the least successful person in the room um that might be a better way to look at it you could you could be the least experienced you're not the dumbest person in the room so there's a (laughs) don't don't trash your self-esteem while you're trying to grow but that goes back to your circle in your sorority working with the right people to figure out who you can talk to and who you can trust it goes back to being yourself like you said and drawing the right people and it goes back to presence in the moment and being grateful because you don't think you can be excellent if you're not present in that moment and grateful for the knowledge you're getting from people Actually, I have two more questions for you. You know, college is a tough internship. Uh, what was the one of the biggest struggles you had? How'd you get through it? And what did you learn from that that you're applying to life now? Um, can I answer that from like DM year sure. as well? Sure. So I would say biggest struggle for me was when I was recruiting and it got really, really hard at one point. And I was just in like a four week dry spell and I was ready to just like throw in the towel. I was over it. I was so sick of working more hours every single week and not seeing any results. And I was, that was so tough for me because I'm like so competitive and I want to always be the best. And so that was just super mentally challenging. And I think the thing that got me through that was once I started thinking like, okay, like stop thinking about being the best or being getting as many hires as you can start thinking about like, okay, enjoy every single conversation and like, just enjoy each moment. So that kind of goes back to being present in every moment and you're never going to get the result you want. I think you've said this on another podcast. If you're just worrying about the result, if you're not worrying about the process. That's karma yoga. I learned it from the great Sanjay Kapoor. Uh, If you have clarity of intent, purity of heart, sincerity of action, you got to let go of the outcome and enjoy the process because you never know what's going to happen. And anytime someone's focused on the results, it always clouds the process. So if you want to hire the best people, you got to have the most enjoyable uh, relationship with them and conversation with them so you can pull out the real person and deliver the real person. And you might as well get deep into the process and let it go. And anytime I focus on the outcome, especially if it's financial, it's blown 
blown up in my face. So, um, and I remember the recruiting dry spell. We won't get into what we discussed during <laughs> that recruiting dry spell, but I, I was there for that. And then if you could go back to just the biggest sacrifice that you made, and you haven't been around that many years, but the biggest, I mean, you've done all these different things, the biggest sacrifice that at the time you're like, oh, this is a really bummer. I don't really want to do this, but you did it anyway. And you look back and you're so glad you made that choice. I think the biggest sacrifice that I will never, never regret doing college works is not a sacrifice, but I would say once I started college works, every party I missed all the weekends I, at school, I could have spent going to like games and tailgates, whatever. I think I, that is, I will never regret doing that because that really is what brought me to where I am now, why I'm confident in myself and, I don't think I'd be where I am right now if I was at school partying for four years straight. I think that I will, I'll never regret doing college works and, and making those sacrifices within the internship and as a DM to build those relationships and learn new things and grow myself. God, that makes me feel so good because I have met people that uh, college works, they started partying more. So I'm really glad to see that college works helped you party less, which is a, a rare statement. But Katie Kenny, I'm so stoked to have worked with you for three years. I'm so stoked that you're one of the ones that reaches out and takes advantage of opportunities more than most. So we got a little closer over the years than a lot of people that work at college works and I get because you're reaching out, you're making the calls, you're doing all these things that you're talking about, constantly striving, constantly present, constantly grateful, telling me about podcasts all the time, which um, I really love too. thank you for making time, not only to listen and provide feedback, but to participate in the edge of excellence. And I look forward to hearing about your wonderful career at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.